0: Glad to see you. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Say amen. amen. Praise the Lord, God's been good. Had amen. Hold your Bible in your hand and hold it up and say, "This is my Bible. I have what it says I can have. I do what it says I can do. It is the living Word of God. I have received it. I have it all. I haven't missed a thing. Today, a part of it will be set ablaze. I'll never be the same, and you'll never be the same." In Jesus' holy name, and the church said, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, give the Lord a good hand clap for the Lord. We're going to be in Luke chapter 21 this morning. I'm not going to attempt to try to preach. The Lord does not want me to. The Lord wants me to teach. I am sure that each and every one of you today would agree with me that we are in the last days. I am sure that you would agree with me that we're in a crisis, Amen. and we need something to happen—not just living water needing something to happen. We need it to happen all the way around. And before I read where the Lord has me to go today, this morning, I've had a couple of people that has asked me a couple of questions right lately. And I I realized when they asked that, that there's little knowledge on the rapture. There's little knowledge on the tribulation. There's little knowledge of what you need to be looking for to be ready. And there's little knowledge as well, Thelma, of how to be prepared for what's going to happen. The Lord this morning wants me to take a a little bit of teaching time to you because everyone look at me, man. If you ain't living right, and if you're not saved, if you listen to me online, and you're not living right, and you're not saved, you don't know Jesus Christ. And I hate to put it this way. You had better make a decision quick. I'm telling you, you better get it ready before you leave here today. And I want to share a little statement with you before I go further. Many people don't understand the Bible. They've never taken the time to really, truly read the Bible. They'll tell you they have, but they haven't. They haven't sat down and read the Bible. They haven't read it all the way through. And they haven't read it with a mind that's open to allow the Holy Spirit to move on them and share with them what the purpose of the Bible actually was. Our God is a God that created this earth, and he created mankind as a replacement for worshipers that he lost in heaven against the rebellion that Lucifer had with him and you are created to replace what the Bible calls the sons of God. You are going to be on the third tier of rulership in the heavenly kingdom. In position today, you still have that power. But many of us never walk in that position because we we don't even have a relationship with the Lord. 98% of Christians that come to the church don't pray. The average statistic for a human being that prays today is 13 seconds a day. Lord, listen this food I'm about to receive, amen. We are not going to have a, a church that is powerful in this end day with that little bit of my prayer. That's right. We're definitely not going to have a church that's powerful today with a bunch of problems sitting in the pew. Mm-hmm. Back when I was coming up and, and I come to church, started coming to church in the 70s, And the first thing that I heard when I walked into the church, a Baptist church, mind you, is hell fire and brimstone. You got a choice. You can go to heaven or you can go to hell. And 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 live as I went on to church and the Baptist church, you kept hearing about that hell was real and that the hell the fires of hell would burn all eternity. And that you could be banished there. The only way for you to get out of the fires of hell was for you to commit your life unto Jesus Christ and pay the price for you. Five years old, and here I am hearing about hell. We're scared to death to talk to our children about anything like that. Scared we're gonna traumatize them. I believe the church needs some traumatization to get them awoken from the sleepiness that they have been in and the slumberness that they've been in for so long we got people sitting in the church right now that says they're Christians that get high every night. we got people in the church right now that takes the money that you get on a Friday and by Sunday you don't got any because you're running to the drug dealer to buy you a pill. In the church, sitting in the church, thinking that everything's all right, rock the sleep in the cradle of love of Jesus Christ. Oh, the Lord loves you. When you come into the church... When I was young, you came into church and you had two genders. You were a male or you were a female. If you were gay, they would cast the devil out of you. I was 19 years old before so I even knew anybody could be gay. Now there are 87,032 genders on the face of this earth right now. And it's climbing every day. And our government is supporting it. In California, if you are a transgender, if John wanted to dress up like a woman, and he'd go to California and you want you a guaranteed salary for the rest of your life, all you got to do is change your clothes and say you're transgender and start talking to him in a little bit, <laughs> and fill out an application that has over a hundred different genders on it. Submit it to the San Francisco Town Board and they will send you $1,200 a month for you to parade around in a dress. This morning in Columbia and in Greenville, North Carolina, drag queens are preaching to their church. Drag queens. The biggest church in Raleigh right now has a lesbian pastor. There isn't a church that is out there that has not been affected by this spirit of Antichrist. And we are sitting here letting our grandchildren and our children go to hell and never saying or doing anything about it. It is time that the church awoken to the fact that we are the blood-bought saints of the living God. And that the answer to what is going on in the quarter of this day is the power of the Holy Ghost. And until we get the power of prayer back into the house of God, till we get convicting sermons back in the house of God we get someone that's bold enough to look you right in the eye in the church and you playing with God and start calling you out as being one that plays with God and put some shock in you until we reach there, this world's going to go to hell in a handbag. That's right. Our God dealt with men on the face of this earth in seven different dispensations. The word dispensation means a period of time where He put the free will agent of man on trial to see if they would adhere to the laws that he gave them for that period of time. We are in the sixth dispensation of that. The last dispensation is the 1,000 year millennium of Jesus Christ. He will rule on this earth for 1,000 years. Daniel had a vision and Daniel saw and heard the interpretation of that that vision where it was told to him by the angel that 70 weeks was declared for his people Israel. The word weeks in that literally means seven years. He said, so there was 70 weeks or 490 years from the time of Daniel until the end time. And in that description of that vision, he said, here's how it's going to happen. He said, there will be 69 sets of seven years and Messiah will be cut off. In other words, Messiah will be killed. And from that point, there will be an age of grace. Everybody holler at and say grace. There will be a period of time of grace that God would deal with these three moral agents that wants to live and do what they want to do and how they want to do it and make their own choice and choose their own gender and choose their own uh, life and all this stuff. God said, I will have grace for that period of time. And then he said there will be one last week period, which is seven years. Seven years and it's called the Great Tribulation. During that period of grace, the 69 weeks where Jesus was killed to the seventh week where it began, God says in the book of Revelation, he says, I have a cup of indignation, a cup of wrath. And I will have that cup and it will slowly be filled up. And in the time of the generation, that cup will be poured out. I want to share with you today, I have had a vision from the Lord and a dream from the Lord where the cup is spilling over wow. now. Wow. God is about to tip His wrath over on His church. Wake up! He is about to pour His wrath out on the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jesus is coming. In fact, he's already stood up from the throne. He's getting ready to come. Mm -hmm. We better get ready. Mm -hmm. The church better get ready quick. So we have this period of 70 weeks where Jesus was cut off in the 16th night the week of that he was killed and God gave a season of grace so that we could all come to the Lord everybody say thank the Lord for grace and Jesus while he was here on this earth ministered, and he prophesied and he told us what was going to happen as time went on and in Luke chapter 21 in verse number 7 his disciples came to him and asked him this they said, and they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be? And what sign will be, the, will be when these things shall come to pass? And he said, take heed that ye be not deceived. Everybody holler out and say deception. deception. So the first sign that he told you that would be all across the world is that many are going to be deceived. There are a lot of people in the church today that they think they are saved, but they are not saved. Church has turned from a place where it was a hospital for the spiritual, and now it is a nightclub. It used to be when you come into the church, you saw something different in the church than what you saw in the world. Now when you walk into the church, you see exactly the very same thing that's going on in the Spanish Galleon at Myrtle Beach every Saturday night if it's still open. You see kids jumping up and down. In fact, I was in one and I'm going to call the state or the town. I was in one in Shalot, and as I walked around there, everybody was carrying a Yeti cup and as I was walking around shaking their hand during fellowship, I smelled vodka and alcohol and all that and they were up there praising the Lord. Didn't used to be that way in church. If you came into the church and you were drunk, you had a devil cast out of you before God said, Jesus said, the first thing that's going to happen is deception. Right. Deception to where you will believe a lie. Mm-hmm. Where you believe you can live any way you want to live and the only thing you've got to still overcome your little problem and you say, no, if you still got a problem, you need to get along with the Lord and you need to get delivered now. Right. Anything that alters your mind is not from God. That's right. Anything. If you drink too much, knuckle, you have drunk too much. You got a problem, you need deliverance. There is deception that is coming. And someone say, Amen. amen. It said, For many shall come in my name, say, I am Christ. And the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. Look at that word there. That, that word there is in the italics in that verse, Christ. Jesus did not say that they would show up and say, I am Christ. He said, Many will show up and say, I am. Ain't that how God identified himself to. Moses, during the burning bush, he said, I am what I am. I will be what I need to be, when I need to be it, to who I need to be it, how I need to be it. And we got a bunch of people out there right now that are just saying, this is your answer. This is how you get peace. They are preaching to your children every day in church. I mean, in, in the church of school, let's call it that. They're preaching to them that they got to tolerate everybody, and they have a choice to whether they are a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, and they can be bisexual, lesbian, trans, queer, whatever they need to be, and they have that right to do it. And if they want to mutilate their private parts, the parents can't even do nothing about it anymore. In fact, in Virginia, they are locking the parents up that says anything about it. Are y'all even listening to the news? We need to awaken in the church because deception has went all across the whole world. And we, as the blood ball saints of the living God, are not supposed to be deceived because Jesus has already given us what we need to be looking for, but we ain't looking for it. Come on Wednesday night, the doors are shut in a lot of churches. And for those that are open, most stay home. From 70 on Sunday to 5 on Wednesday night. From 70 on Sunday morning to 25 on Sunday nights. And Lord, don't call prayer, because if you call prayer, they ain't going to be about two that shows up. But oh, we waiting for the Lord to come back. We're waiting on the Lord. There ain't none of y'all ready to see the Lord yet, I don't believe. I think we need this morning to make a decision that, hey, if Jesus walked in this church right now, this minute, that we knew that we could go to heaven with him right then. He said, Be aware, deception is coming. He said, and They're gonna show up and say, I am. I'm going to be what you need me to be when you want to be. You want to have peace? You got a problem not trying to figure out whether you're a man or a boy? Here's your answer. You got a problem that you can't handle reality? Here's your answer. Take this pill, this lace of fission on, and I'll kill you. There's a bunch of stuff out there that's saying they're God now. It's not that they're Christ, they're God. Now that word Christ means I'm God's anointed. But Jesus didn't say that. When it's in italics in the Bible, that's when it was added by a man. Jesus said there's going to be a bunch of deception out there and people are going to begin to do and act and say and implement things in effect like they're God. Your school system now thinks they're God. Your Congress thinks they're God. Your president thinks he's God. Your teachers think they're God. Your town hall thinks they're God. And they're implementing things to try to show you we're God. And the church said, oh, they ain't never done it to the me. They shut down the churches for two years. Some of them ain't opened up yet. Because they think they're God. They're in a deception that they're God. Well, I don't think I'm God. Well, then you've been living the way you've been wanting to live, doing what you want to do, speaking the way you want to speak, going where you want to drink, drinking what you want to drink, popping what you want to pop, going out there and never praying, nothing other stuff. You must think you're God too. Don't unwrap my schedule. Don't interrupt me. I got this to do. I got that to do. I got this to do. Don't interrupt my schedule. My family coming home. My family coming to see me. And I can't come see me. This is how I'm here to tell you, church. We need an awakening in the house of God. Amen. I'm not trying to get on anybody. I'm trying to share with you what I see as we go forward in the scripture here today. He said, but when ye hear, shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. For these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then he said unto them, or then saith he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Let me put it in my language. People and classes of people are going to rise up against each other. The black people are going to be against the white people. The white people are going to be against the black people. And the white people are going to be against the white people. And the black people are going to be against the black people. And the Hispanics are going to be against the black people. And the Asians are going to be against the white people. And the the Christians are going to be against the world. And the world is going to be against the Christians. Nations are going to rise up against nations. And kingdoms are going to rise up against kingdoms. And there's going to be roars. And great earthquakes shall be in different places. And famines and pestilences and fearful sights and great signs Shall there be from heaven? But before all these things, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prison, being brought before kings and the rulers for the name's sake. Everybody say, Thank you, God, that I live in America. Because if you say you're a Christian in Iran, they will cut your head off. If you say you're a Christian in the Philippines, they will kill you. If you say you're a Christian in China, they will put you in jail. You better be thankful that you got the right and the ability to come to the house of God. Sadly, that right is being taken from us in this house. We are losing it in America. They are coming against us. And, verse 13, it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before you shall give an answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all, uh, with all of your adversaries shall not be able to gain, say, nor resist. And you shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinfolks and friends. And some of you shall they cause to be put to death. In other words, there are going to be problems in the family. Family is going to turn against the family. Brothers and sisters are going to turn against one another. Church is going to turn against each other. All hell is going to break loose in the family. The reason why I'm going through what I'm going through is because you've done what you've done. And we want to live that way as a patient and a victim. And you shall be hated of all for my name's sake. But there shall not a hair of your head perish in your patience possession of your soul. And when you shall see Jerusalem come with armies... Then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains and let them which are in the midst of it depart out and let not them that are in the countries enter there too. For these be the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. The cup of God's wrath is about to be poured out on this earth. Read on. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down to the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there are going to be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity the seas and the waves roaring men's heart failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven will be shaken and then shall they see the son of man coming in the cloud with power and great glory and when these things begin to come to pass Look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. I heard your neighbor here this morning say, Our redemption draws nigh. And he spake this parable unto them. He said, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When thou sh- they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is nigh at hand. So, likewise, ye, when you see that these things are starting to come to pass, Know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. How many would agree with me what I have read to you this morning is coming to pass right before your eyes? The kingdom of God is right at your hand. It's here. It's coming. He said, know that just like you know that a fig tree, when it starts blossoming, it's going to bear some figs. Know that Jesus is coming quickly. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And take heed to yourself, lest at any time your heart be overcharged with suffering. We're going to talk about that this morning. And your heart be overcharged with drunkenness. And your heart be overcharged with the cares of this life so that that day come upon you unaware. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye, therefore, push that one and wake him up beside of you this morning and say watch Watch. Watch. and pray pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Watch and pray always. Thank you, Lord. The Bible, among many things, is a history book. But it's a unique history book. It's unique and it's different from any other history book that's available for you to go and pull off of the shelf of the library. Mm -hmm. The history of the Bible is starts at the creation of the earth and it ends at the end of this age. It goes in there and it brings about it because God wants us to know about what's going to happen with us. There's no other history book that you can go and get and you can read that's going to talk to you about the creation of this world. Partially because there wasn't nobody here to witness it. There wasn't nobody here to document it. So therefore, no one can literally write an authoritative review of what happened at the beginning of this world. However, readers of the Bible know, and they are a class of the only few people that there is here on this world uh, that know how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. If you read the Bible, the Bible tells you we're going to be victorious in the end. Amen. If we read the Bible, we know that we're going to escape all these things I just read to you. That's right. If you read the Bible, you're going to know that Jesus is going to come and He's going to get you long before all of this stuff happens. It was a unique book when it was written. Now, the Lord did not reveal the future to you just to satisfy your curiosity. Everybody wants to know what's going to happen tomorrow, but the Lord didn't tell you what was going to happen just so that your curiosity would be settled and satisfied. It was a preparatory revelation to you so that you could be prepared and you would not be surprised about what's going to happen here in the future. He told you what was going to happen so that you would not misinterpret it and you would not fall for the deception that is going on out there in the world today. And when it comes and it reveals itself before us, you will not fall for it. But it has been revealed to you. Look at me real good. You be to come to church. I'm about to tell you who the Antichrist is. He's alive. He's about to go into power. If he ain't him, it's going to be his son. He's about to go into power. And the Bible says when he is revealed, the church is going to be gone. He's about to come into power in May. In May. In May you better wake up church it is the end time That's right. Jesus is about to split the eastern sky and say come up here with me That's right. God wanted his children to be ready and apply all these actions so that we could be ready look at your neighbor and in love this morning ask him say are you ready God wanted his children to learn and apply these methods. He wanted us to learn and apply these revelations that he's given to us so that we can make ourselves ready for use in this time because God said, I have held my best for the last. You are God's best. I don't care how you've been living. I don't care how the devil's whipped you up. I don't care what you fell for. I don't care what's going on. God put you here because you're the best he had to offer. And He wants you to be prepared for it. And we got to be able to go forward and complete His will here on this earth. God wanted us to be able to plan and apply His system of survival for the future, for what's about to come. Church, listen to me. There's not enough food to feed you for the next two months. Cattle are dying all over the Midwest. It's, you're going to have to pay a whole week's paycheck just to get a steak now. Eggs has went up forty three percent in one year. It's went up seventy eight percent in two years. Gasoline is scarce. Diesel—they only have thirteen days left of diesel supply on the earth. That means that the ships are not going to be able to get diesel. Trucks are not going to be able to get diesel. It means that your food is not going to be delivered to your store. Satan, in the name of Jesus, if you don't leave this house this morning, I will, in the name of Jesus, I bind you in the name of Jesus, i run you out of this house. You will not do what you want to do in this house this morning. i stand in the blood of Jesus Christ. You will release these people's minds and you will release their hearts. They will hear what does says. say, Almighty God, this morning. Lay your book to the side and listen to God. tired of putting up with the devil in this house I'm tired of putting up with the devil in your life God is tired of putting up with the devil in this house He brought this house here so you can find some deliverance and it's time for you to get deliverance in this house Now listen what God has told me to tell you here this morning God wants His people to be ready He wants you to have the power in you when he steps out on the eastern sky and he says, come up here. You can go and be with him. The Bible was written for our education. And it reveals to us some systematic instruction that we're going to have to apply. And that systematic instruction develops the skill set and the behaviors that is necessary in us. And it brings to us the discipline that's in us to follow the rules and the codes of Christian living that literally will keep us from falling into the tribulation. We need to read the Bible. We need to know the Bible. We need to fully understand it. Several in the last little bit has come to me and said, are we in the end times? My wife asked me the other day, she said, what's a week? Been in church all her life, never heard. What's a week? week is seven years in the Bible. I had another one ask me, is the Antichrist alive? I had another one ask me, are we in the tribulation?" The church don't even know where we're at anymore. We don't know where we are. Because there is a mighty powerful deception that has went around. If you turn on preachers on the television, some are teaching and preaching that there's the rapture is about to happen. Others are saying, no, the rapture ain't about to happen. It's going to happen in the middle of the tribulation. Then you got others that said, no, it's going to happen at the end of the tribulation. And then you got others that said, it ain't going to happen at all. How do you know the truth? Now we've always believed and taught that we're going to be raptured out of Him. And I just read to you that the Bible says that if you will watch and pray, you will be counted worthy to escape these things. But if you're not watching and looking at what's going on in the world and you ain't turned up with the spirit of rapture in you, you ain't going to pray for the Jesus to come quickly. You ain't going to be ready for Him when He comes. And we need to understand that God wants us to be ready to go forward and do what we need to do. truth is that the Bible talks that we are in the last days and we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. The last days started on the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, that's when things started getting fulfilled. And every Christian generation should be ready for the Lord's return because He can come any time. Look at me. There is no sign of the rapture. None. Zero. Zilch. Back in the first century, Jesus could have come back any time. And right now, he could have come back any time. The Bible is full of predictions. It's full of prediction. There are 735 predictions that are written in the verses of the Bible. 735. Out of the 735, 596 have already been fulfilled. That said, a, 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 a production or a 100% prediction rate of everything coming together, 81% of what was prophesied to happen has already happened. That only leaves 19% less for it to happen. However, not a single one of the 19% that is left has to happen before the rapture comes. All 19% that is left happens after the rapture. Out of 735, 596 have already been brought to. And get this, every I was dotted in it, every T was crossed in it, and it came to pass 100% exactly how it was written. That's why the Bible should be your infallible source for what you need in your life, amen? If 81% has already come to pass, it don't take a whole lot of faith to ruster up on the inside of you to know that the next 19% is going to come to pass too. Amen. Amen. The Bible has been 100% right on 596 occasions and they have come true 100%. So of the 19% less we have got there, they concern the events that's going to happen in the tribulation after the rapture. Now, as you look at these events that are predicted to come to pass as it relates to the coming of Jesus Christ, it's important to understand something. The scriptures I read to you today in Luke chapter number 21 and Matthew chapter 24 and Luke chapter number 13, uh, March chapter number 13, they are not about the rapture. The disciples come to Jesus and said, what is the signs of the end? It is, a, it is telling you what's going to happen before Jesus comes back to the earth and puts his feet on the earth. When he is going to move his throne from heaven to the earth. It's talking about what's going to happen at the end of the seven tribul- seven years of tribulation. It has nothing to do with the rapture. And because of that, the people and Bible scholars are sit here and they've tried to apply the, what's in the, uh, Matthew chapter 24, Luke chapter 21, Mark chapter number 13. They've tried to apply that to the to The the rapture and they've got us all mixed up they got some people believing that the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation they got others believing that the rapture is going to happen in the middle of the tribulation they got others that believe that it's going to happen at the end of the tribulation and we got some that's standing up saying it ain't going to happen at all so, the reason why we have this problem is people are not rightfully dividing the word of truth. If you go on YouTube today, you can type in rapture and look at five different people and they got different views. Some are saying we're in the seventh seal. Some are saying we're in the seventh trumpet of that book. Some of them telling us that we're in the tribulation week, that Jesus is about to come by, all this stuff. I want you to understand, the rapture ain't took place yet and we're not into the tribulation period yet. But we're so close. This church and everybody I see here today, the next time I see you, yeah, I might be walking on the streets of gold with you. I want you to understand that. Amen. So there's several different views. There is a view that, hey, we're going to leave here before the tribulation. That is what the Bible calls a blessed hope. How many of you are tickled to death that God has made provision for you that you can be up in heaven and you ain't got to put up with all these earthquakes and the hell pile hell stones and scorpions from hell and all these devils going out there here. Killing people, cutting their heads off and i how I many? is glad that they ain't going to have to go hungry. I mean my God, my church I want to tell you, I'm happy today that my God has given me the blessed hope so that I can know for a surety that I can go to heaven and I ain't got to put up with all this stuff. I can leave this world behind while everybody down here is going through hell here on this earth. I'm going to be set up being announced in the butler, by the butler in the banquet hall of Jesus Christ as the bride of Jesus Christ and I'm going to eat myself to the full and I'm going to enjoy myself and then I'm going to come back to this earth and I'm going to Take his kingdom, and we're going to be able with him to rule in his seed. How many's happy for that listen. But we don't understand something. In all the Old Testament prophets, in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and through all of the 12 disciples, the rapture was never mentioned. Jesus didn't teach it. Jesus didn't disclose it. It was 54 AD before it was ever revealed. And Jesus, out in the middle of the desert, appearing to Paul, told him the rapture is going to happen. And Paul wrote the book of Thessalonians in 54 AD, and that's when he began to tell everyone, Brethren, we're not all going to sleep. Some of us are going to be alive and we're going to be instantly changing the power of God. And he wrote some scriptures about it. He wrote it down in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 through 52. Listen to how he said it. He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. It could have been written like this. He said, Behold, I tell you a secret. Look, I'm telling you a secret that is hidden up to now. He goes on, he say, We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. I'm waiting for the day for Jesus to step out on the eastern cloud and the trumpet of God to sound, and hear his voice, because I am a sheep of Jesus Christ, and I know his voice. And when he calls him and says, Come up here, I'm going to be riding on the clouds. Amen. He goes on further. The Old Testament prophets, they didn't know anything about it. Up to John the Baptist, they didn't preach about it. Jesus didn't preach about it. Jesus didn't teach about it. The disciples didn't teach about it. It was revealed by Jesus to Paul out in the desert that the rapture up to that point was a secret. And in 54 AD, he wrote the, the children over in Thessalonica. And he wrote in 59 AD, the Corinthians, and he told them, I'm telling you a secret. You need to understand this. And Paul worded that sentence in such a way that it was so emphatic that he would get his uh, reader's attention. He wanted them to know, hey, look, pay attention. This is something new. Something's going to happen. Something is hidden unto now. The word mystery there is the Greek word mysterion, and it means secret that is hidden and unknown and previously unrevealed. So up to that point in time, long after Jesus had went, it had not been revealed. God had kept it hidden from us. He didn't tell the Old Testament saints. He didn't tell Jesus to disclose it. He didn't tell the disciples to do it. Job knew of the resurrection and the resurrections and the doctrine of the resurrection. Job knew about it. And all the disciples knew about it. Jesus taught about the resurrections. The Pharisees taught about the resurrections. The Sadducees objected it and rejected it and put it out and said there ain't no resurrections. They all knew about the resurrections but they knew nothing about the rapture. The rapture is a part of the doctrine of the resurrections. So when Paul wrote about the resurrections he likened everything to a harvest. Hear me what I'm saying. Up until the time When he wrote about those resurrections, there was nothing new. He talked about a harvest. But when he began to reveal that there's going to be a rapture, there was a secret part of that doctrine that people had never heard in their life. And he began to tell us that there was an order to the resurrections. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, he put it like this in verse 20 through 24, I believe it is. He says, But now is Christ risen from the dead, and he has become the first fruits." Of them that slept. He's talking about a harvest now. He says, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ, the first fruits, that's harvest number one, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming, harvest number two, and then three, the harvest at the end. And he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even his father. Flip with me to Leviticus chapter 23. Let me explain to you what he's saying. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 9 through 10. It says it like this. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, speaking to the children of Israel, and saying to them, When you come into the land which I give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the fruits so he's telling them there's going to be a first fruit harvest Jesus was the first fruit harvest also listen to me everybody that had died up to the time that Jesus went in the grave and come up out of the grave they were the first harvest The Bible tells us that when Jesus come up out of the grave that people that were buried right before them they appeared into the city of Jerusalem and they showed up so you buried grandma yesterday and now here she's showing up at your door knocking at the door and saying I'm back. And then all of a sudden she was gone. So the first fruits has already happened. Go to Leviticus chapter number 19, verse 9 through 10. It said, And when you shall reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest, and thou shalt not clean the vineyard, neither shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So there's three harvests here. The first fruit harvest has already happened. Then there's the main harvest, which is the body of Christ. Everybody that has passed away since the time that Jesus was here, and us, if we're still alive, the body of Christ. Then there's the third harvest called the gleaning harvest. That is the harvest that will take place at the end when people get saved through the tribulation. That's why we're all mixed up on these raptures and all these harvests. One rapture has already took place ever Old Testament saints up in heaven right now. And they've already been pulled up out the grave. They come up with Jesus. The first fruits has already been done. Now the body of Christ is the next one on the agenda and then after that it's going to be the people that find Jesus during the tribulation. Thank God I'm going to find Jesus before the tribulation. Thank God I found him many, many, many years ago. Thank God that he still prepared me and he got me ready for it. Amen. Matthew chapter 27, Jesus said this in verse 51 through 53. He said, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the trumpet was written twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were open and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. So there's already been a rapture. So don't you sit here and let hell tell you that there to be no rapture. Don't you let somebody out. Y'all tell you, oh, you're going to have to go through this tribulation. I ain't got to go through the tribulation. I know another rapture's on the agenda, and I'm going to be ready to go up when he says, let's go. Amen. Smile at someone and say, are you going to be ready? Are you going to be ready? All of these resurrections are what Jesus called the resurrection of the life. In John chapter number 5, verse 28 through 29, he told the disciples, he said, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear." hear his voice. Mm. and he says and they shall come forth they that have done good they're going to come unto the resurrection of life and those that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation push that person right beside you and say whether you hear him today or not you're going to hear his voice one day The Bible said, I opened up my eyes and I saw before him both the dead and the living. I saw the big and the great and the small. He said, and I saw and he said, every knee bow down to Jesus. He said, you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I want to tell you if you ain't bowed your knees down if you ain't said in your mouth that he is the Lord and the king of kings and the Lord of lords in your life, you better do it while you sit alive because you're still going to bow your knees one of these days and you're going to say I was wrong Lord, you are Lord and God's going look at you. Jesus look at you and say, depart from me by wonder of iniquity. I never knew you on this earth and I ain't saving you now. Thank God I ain't got to go to hell. If there ain't nothing else that you can praise God about, you ain't got to go to hell. You ain't got to go down there and put up with the devil all of your life. You ain't got to be an eternity burned up by fire that's 35,000 degrees. you ain't got to go to the center of the earth and get there and literally and go through all that hell. You can walk around in the streets of gold in the brand new hill, the city of heaven and you can go through there and you can make sure your, your mom and your granddaddy and everybody went on before you and you can go in there and you can praise the Lord and you can bring now. you look at the down We can praise Him. We ain't got to go to hell. Thank God we ain't got to go to hell. That's right. That's right. Hmm. But a resurrection of damnation is going to happen. <laughs> Death can happen any time. Sunday, last Sunday, at 1.30, I took a picture of Sheila Larmore in the chair Sitting beside me. Mm -hmm. And by that evening she was gone. Mm -hmm. Because, wake up dummy. Mm -hmm. She asked somebody for a pain pill. Because she had neurology or neuropathy in her feet. She didn't go to the doctor to get it. She just asked a friend for a pain pill. And he gave it to her. And it was laced with fentanyl. Her boyfriend was in the bathroom. And long enough for him to use the bathroom and come out, she was on the floor dead. One pill. Death can happen anytime. Every time you have went to that connection and you have bought that pill, you have tempted the Lord your God. You should be dead. It is only by the mercy and the grace of Almighty God that your heart is pumping blood through your veins right now. That's the only reason why you're here right now. If you have now had the mercy of God in your life, when you put it in your mouth and serve it down in your throat, you would be dead right now if it won't for God and His love and His mercy on you. Church, wake up dummies. We've got people out there trying to kill us. Well, I ain't done nothing in about three weeks. You need to be thankful to God that when you were out there you your whole paycheck to grab it, that you didn't be to up dead yourself. Can I preach just a little bit? The revelation or the resurrection of them to damnation is going to happen at the end of the tribulation. So we have the harvest, of first fruits, Jesus, and all the Old Testament saints. They already gone. The main harvest, us, the church, is going to heaven. And then we have the tribulation harvest, the harvest of the gleanings that's going to come. The discombobulation of how people don't understand what's going on is they try to put the harvest in with the doctrine of the rapture. They try to take the rapture and put it into the doctrine of the harvest. And they're messing it all up. They don't understand. They don't realize that there's still a harvest of the church that is coming and there's a harvest of the world that's coming. And because of that, we got all these problems. And it really don't matter, live what everybody else out there says. God gave us one instruction. Jesus gave us one instruction. Turn to your neighbor look at him and smile real good and say, watch and pray. You can't pray looking at Wednesday night streaming Yahoo TV. You can't watch and pray while you're sitting there on Sunday night on AMC watching Yellowstone. If you want to sit at the house and watch Highway to Hell and Dynasty, Nasty, then that's the way you're going to do it. You're going to get on the Highway to Hell and you're going to die nasty. It is time for the church to wake up and realize that we've got the answer for what this world needs out there. We need it today. Amen. Jesus' second coming is actually beginning to happen and we need to get ready for it. Amen. What are we supposed to be watching? What's going on in the world? The rapture is when Jesus leaves His throne and He comes down to a cloud. And He says, come up here and meet Him. Mm-hmm. The second coming that they ask Him about in Matthew and in Luke chapter 21 Mark chapter number 13, the second coming is when He moves His throne from heaven and He comes down here with all of His saints and He annihilates the Antichrist there in Jerusalem that day and He sets up His 1,000 year reign. So the rapture is when Jesus comes to the cloud and he says, come up here. And if you don't know him, you ain't going to hear his voice. If you ain't living like you know him, you ain't going to hear his voice. And from that point, the first thing that happens is one third of the trees and plants on the earth is wiped away. That means one-third of the oxygen is gone out of the ozone layer. That means when eight billion people are on the earth, one-third of the people on this earth are going to die from suffocation. There ain't going to be enough oxygen to take care of them. That's the first thing that's going to happen. Second thing that's going to happen is four horsemen of the population is going to come. And as they come in here, death and famine is going around, And a third of the population, again, of the world is going to be killed. As time goes on, 100 pounds or hailstones are going to fall down on your house. How's it going to be, care, when you're sitting there in that bed trying to rest pretty good and all of a sudden a 100-pound hailstone comes to falling down in your bed? Bible said it's going to get so bad that people are going to say, Lord, kill me. And they ain't going to die. I was breaking a limb off of a tree, me and Mary was the other day, and I had a big old stack of bricks like this right here. And the limb was just a little teeny limb, John. And when he broke that thing off, it come down off of that tree and it come down right in the middle of them bricks and busted them bricks, shattered them in little pieces. It won't that far either. It was just a little bit out of my house, maybe 12 foot off the ground. What in the world are you going to do on a hundred pound hillstone history? From out there in the southern heavens. We have to put this out of our mind. We don't want to talk about this anymore. We don't want to scare nobody into getting saved. But I'm here to tell you it's time to scare the hell out of everybody. It is time to literally scare the hell out of you so that we'll get busy for the Lord. Amen. Let's read on just a little bit further. In Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13-18. through 18, Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. He said, But I, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you saw or not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then he, we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Everybody say amen. And then it says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So if you want some peace today, here's your peace. You ain't going to have to live through this if you don't want to. But if that drug is more important to you than being up in heaven when all this is going on, then you can live through it if you want to. If sex is more important to you than, than being in heaven with God when all this is going on, then you can choose sex today and you can do it and you can live through this tribulation if you want to. If your recliner is more important to you than the house of God is, then you can choose that recliner and you can see what's going to happen on this earth. In chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 1-8, he said, The day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, sudden destruction will come on them. Let us not sleep as do ones, but let us watch and be sober. Take your neighbor right beside and say, Watch and be sober. Watch and don't be drunk with your mind. Watch and be in your right mind. Don't you be all hooked on nerve pills so you can be satisfied. Oh, help me, Lord. Don't you take anything that alters your mindset. Watch. Don't you be taking them, their antidepressant drugs. Because you don't have a sound mind with that. The doctors are pumping that in you. It is the new world order to mess up your mind so that you will fall for the deception. Yeah, that's right. When I got in my accident, I went to the doctor. He looked at me one day and he said, there ain't no way in the world you can be hurting as bad as you're hurting. And I know you're hurt. I can look at your x-rays and I can tell how bad you're hurt. He said, there ain't no way in the world you can be hurt that bad and not be depressed. I said, I ain't depressed. He said, I'm going to write you an antipsychotic drug. Which I said, you can write all you want to but I will never, ever feel it. I never took a single one of them. Never took a St. Never took a Lyrica. Never took none of that stuff because it alters your mind. You can't think straight. It was that very drug that my sister-in-law took that caused her to take a gun and blow the brains of my brother out while she was there. You do not need to have that miss in your life. The antipsychotic drugs are literally an open door for a spirit of hell to come into your life and to kill you and to kill your family oh my god am I helping anybody this morning he said watch and be sober put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet put on the hope of salvation he went on in that same chapter in verse 9 and 10 he said for God has not appointed us to his wrath everybody in the church needs to say amen but he's appointed to us to obtain salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. Whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him.